Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Time, stand by as we get this show cranked up. Let me get Brother Groover on the line. The prayer walker. Hello, Henry here. Henry Groover, welcome to Omega Man Radio. Folks, tonight is going to be an awesome time in the Lord. We have with us live right now the prayer walker, Henry Groover, here on episode 968. Brother Groover, it is an honor yes. to have you back tonight. Well, it's a joy to be back with you, Brother Davis. Praise the Lord. Uh, Would you like to uh, start this program off in prayer? Absolutely. Precious Father in heaven, how do we thank you enough for Jesus and what he means to us and for the sacrifice that you gave in giving him, freely giving him for us, that we who have no way of redemption might find a pure and beautiful redemption through him. Thank you, Father. Father, we just want to ask you to rule and reign over every listener and every piece of equipment. Almighty God, that this will go into the ears and into the heart of each one that is listening. And Lord, that the words that are spoken will speak right into their heart and that it will not be my words, but your words. I just declare your victory and your triumph over the air now, Lord, and over this equipment, and pray that your blessings will rest upon it, and the purpose for this program, Lord, will be accomplished. In Jesus' precious name, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Friends, if you're just tuning in with us tonight, uh, Henry Groover is our special guest He's going to have the microphone and go wherever the Lord leads him tonight. Now, Brother Groover, the last time you were on, a few months ago, you were getting ready to undertake a mission to go overseas and 
do the work of the Lord. And uh, folks, I've waited anxiously for Brother Groover to get back so we could get him back on the program. It's always a treat, and there's so much to learn. And you know, you're you're like a living Indiana Jones, Brother Groover. <laughs> the places you've been, the things God has uh, allowed you to do is awesome. I mean, it's captivating. And I'm not going to take up too much time with an introduction. Henry needs no introduction. But before you take the mic, Brother Groover, please give out your contact information. Tell people how they can connect with you and your ministry, please. Oh, yes. Uh, well, they could go on computer, joyfulsoundministries.com or henrygroover.com, and I think I come on on the website. And uh, Or they could contact us here at uh, Post Office Box 144, Woodbine, W-O-D-B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, 51579, USA. And uh, we will be happy to answer any questions or anything we can. I am getting ready to leave town again. I'll leave town uh, Monday morning, but uh, our office will be here and our staff, and we'll still be working together. So any time that you want to get a hold of us, JoyfulSoundMinistries.com. You can order materials through PayPal if you wish uh, on the computer, and all of those are on a free will offering basis. So that's something you could uh, you could think about as well. Praise You'll get your receipt back from that. We're going to give that contact info out throughout the program tonight. You know, Brother Groover, this was the divine appointment of the Lord because I knew you were going to be back in sometime in April, and the Lord reminded me to call you. And lo and behold, folks, we got him as he's getting ready to go out on the road again and continue to work for the Lord. So it's an awesome pleasure to have him on tonight. We got him just in time. And, Brother Groover, thank you for making time tonight. Now, Brother Groover, so often many people will ask when they hear your testimonies, how does one actually prayer walk? What are you actually doing when you're going out to these locations, whether it be going into a cave where there was human sacrifice done or going to these areas where, you know, in the bush, climbing the mountains? What do you actually do when you get there? So I asked Brother Groover tonight, folks, as he's telling the stories and uh, preaching, uh, to give us some examples of, you know, what a prayer walker does when he gets out there. Kind of break it down, some of the mechanics. And with that, I'm just going to turn the microphone over. Uh, anytime you want to take a break, Brother Groover, you just let me know. But take as much time as you want tonight. The microphone is yours. All right. Thank you, Brother. Well, bless your hearts. I appreciate you tuning in today or tonight, wherever it is, uh, whatever the clock is saying to you. Uh, but um, my life began very young, at 18 years of age, uh, prayer walking, and it began with the simplicity of handing out gospel tracts uh, in a vow that I made on New Year's Eve of 1960. And that began a principle in my life of touching the heart and reaching out to people with something tangible. I think it's important many times that we have something tangible. I I always, I, personally, I've, I've put out sowers of seed, a little, a little personal Bible for comfort, assurance, and salvation out of Fort Worth, Texas. I think you can find them on computer. But uh, they put them out in many different languages. And, you know, I found that you can hand a, a little slip of folded paper in the form of a tract to an individual, and they might take one look at it and the heading, and they might just toss it or something. But a little book like that, a miniature Bible, rarely do I ever see them tossed away. 
and I've handed out thousands upon thousands of those in many different countries. But that was the beginning principle that uh, something I had promised the Lord that I would do. And in doing that, uh, I began to run into great difficulties. And uh, in those difficulties, uh, I was trying to get a hundred of them handed out on a Saturday night, and I couldn't get it done. But I began to cry out to the Lord to help me, and he began to speak into my life. And uh, I think it was so precious, some of the principles that he gave me, because I still use them every day. As Brother Davis was saying, you know, going down into a cave or walking streets or upon a mountain or wherever, uh, those principles still hold very strongly. One of the things that is most common that I, I run into when I go to a fellowship, a meeting, a church, a conference, or home meeting, or wherever, uh, when I start telling people how radically areas geographically and spiritually will change, if you'll just simply apply some simple principles. And the simplest principles are those which I learned back at 18, 19, 20 years old, and they still apply today. Yes, I am still learning new principles and learning new approaches. I think we're always learning. We never stop learning. But um, one of the most common things that I'll see eyebrows go up when I'm speaking is, is do you have an intersection nearby uh, where there are accidents that happen quite commonly with fatalities, with major, major injuries and all, and frequently these accidents happen? I challenge you to go, and I tell people when I'm teaching prayer walking, we'll, I'd like to go to that intersection, and we will walk all four corners of it. Now, in my prayer walking book called Prayer Walker's Handbook, there is a teaching about called the killer intersection. And that was where I first really began to learn that. And I have applied it to many intersections since, all over the nation, all over the world. Uh, I've applied it over in Japan. I uh, Generally, in Japan, where there's an intersection, where there are numerous accidents and fatalities, you will find a little shrine, and with hanging down like 10,000 little folded papers, about five-eighths of an inch long, they're folded into the form of a little bird, 10,000 little birds meticulously folded from uh, magazines. The, the elderly people gather together in a community center, and they make take of the pages of these magazines and cut them in certain little pieces and fold them into these little birds and string them up like you would popcorn uh, if you did around a Christmas tree or something like that. Uh, but uh, it uh, 10,000 of those you generally will see hanging on one of those shrines, and then you will see a little one or two or three little stone gods that have little aprons on them. Generally, they're red, little red aprons. It's interesting that they use red because, of course, we, we declare and proclaim the blood of Jesus. But when I see something like this, it, it is a challenge to me. It is a challenge to me to, to declare at that intersection that there are people troubled over these, these accidents and over these fatalities and this continual 
damage and destruction and heartache. And so I try to speak to the people as they pass by and encourage them, listen, I see your, your cry here in your shrine. And, and I think it's good what you're doing because you're crying out because of what's been happening here. But I want to tell you that I'm going to walk this and pray this in the name of my God. And as I walk all four intersections, all four corners or four crosswalks or five, however many points it is where these streets come together, I'm going to declare the blood of Jesus the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ over this intersection. Now, why why not just, uh, well, let's say, why not just declare, in the name of Jesus, I take dominion over the destruction and death over this intersection. You could do that, but I want to ask you a question about that. This is because of the principle that I've learned and the way God has, has led me. Yes, in my name. We have power, Jesus said. In my name, you, you do all these things. You lay hands on the sick. You, you do all these things to individuals. But when you come into a place like an intersection, intersections are roads coming together. They're crossroads. They are where major activity have taken place many times for centuries. They began as trails down a mountain through a valley. Very commonly, you will find trails north, south, east, and west because it's easy to navigate. And uh, you can tell that uh, when the sun's shining, you keep going straight, you're going east or west. Well, to your right or your left is north or or south. But uh, in doing this, these trails become roads and roads become highways. And when murders and robbers which in ancient times and old times, even in the Bible, the good Samaritan has a story where he fell among thieves and they robbed him and beat him. Now that was along a road and along came the good Samaritan and a man from Samaria. And he he took this man. Now others passed by and wouldn't do a thing about it. And Jesus even mentions each different category, including some religious people that pass by on the other side of the road. Now, nothing's going to change if you do that. That man could have died there in the Bible. But uh, the good Samaritan came and put him on his own beast of burden and carried him to a, a place and paid for him to be taken care of and said, if there's still more due when I come back through... I'll pay that as well. Now, that is a tremendous lesson right there. Now, in your life and in mine, you and I, all of us know, as I mentioned this, that there are specific areas that come to your mind where there are accidents. You you know that, and perhaps as one person we were with in Japan, they didn't even want to go to that intersection. They wanted to make a turn early and take a, a, a cross a, a side road and go around it because so many accidents were happening. Well, that to me is a signal. And so when a person does that, such as there in Japan, this person did that, I said, well, praise God. And this poor lady said to me, who is sitting back behind me in the van, said to me, why are you praising God? Because people are dying at that intersection up there and being injured. And I said, I'm praising God because you said that. Because now, 
we are going to do something about it. She said, well, what can we do about it except go around it and avoid that intersection? I said, that isn't what the Good Samaritan did. We're going to go and we're going to park before we get to that. And here was a convenience store on the left. And so I said, would you pull in there? And there were two van loads of us and the team that was prayer walking that day. This was back last November. And uh, so here we go. And I said, now, listen, if you're afraid or don't want to go there and walk there, then you stay here in the van and pray. But what I want to do is go and pray. And we are going to pray each of those crosswalks. And we are going to remit the sins of the past as many generations back as needs be to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. You see how detailed that is? Thought, word, deed, or gesture. You're, you're covering every facet of that transgression. Why? Because in Proverbs, the scripture says, one sinner, one sinner destroys much good. In Leviticus, the Lord says, in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. Well, how do you grant a redemption for the land when you live there and you want to go around that intersection or that dangerous place? You go and you apply, first of all, the remittance of sins. John 20, verse 23. Jesus said it this way in the King James translation, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So you see, you have a choice. You have a choice of remitting sin or retaining it. Who wants to retain sin? Who wants to retain an area where drive-by shootings take place, an area where terrible accidents take place? Think about this. And so you and I have that authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of our relationship with the Lord. Why? Now, why? what makes you think, Henry, that you have this authority? What makes you think that, that you can make this difference? Who are you? I mean, after all, you're just a man and, and all. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about here, it says in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, we are reconcilers. Verse 19 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians says, To wit, or in other words, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So then it says in verse 20, Now then, now, when's now? Right now. Now never changes, does it? Now will be the same 10 minutes from now, 10 years from now. Now will still be now when you're at that moment of time. Now then, we are, present tense, are ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God did deceit you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. In other words, in Christ's stead. That's what an ambassador is. They go to represent the leader of their nation instead of the leader. And they bring the message of the leader to that geographical country. So he says, in Christ's stead, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So first of all, we must be reconciled to God as ambassadors. Now, when you go out to walk and pray, or you go into a place where there has been a lot of death or destruction, you must put on your armor. You must remember this. The reason is, is because you are entering a battleground. Remember John 8, verse 44. Jesus called Satan a liar and the father of lies. He didn't come but for what? To kill and destroy. So think about this. So you are going into an area, geographical area, where Satan has taken possession. He has taken something we use in America as a term called squatter's rights. If a person sits there there a few years ago along the Colorado River, uh, down through uh, Arizona there, there were people that had squatted there, and they had farms along that river for over 20 years. And along came uh, the government and different people trying to kick them off. And they said, you can't kick us off. By law, we, we own this. Well, why did they own it? Because in Arizona law... There had been a law passed many years before, and these individuals knew this, that if you possess that land and go in and build on it and agriculturally do something for it, put up fences and road and all, and occupy that for 20 years, no one forbidding you, then that land you can go and get a legal deed. And that's what people took all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States, and they won because it was in Arizona law. So Satan, for many generations, has come and squatted because of sin. He comes and takes possession because of sin. And that's the reason on these pathways and these trails where there have been murders, there have been battles fought, that's the reason Satan is able to take possession Now, there's no place in the Bible that if Satan has had it for 20 years, it's his. He can get a legal deed. No. Jesus completely conquered and took that away on the cross, right up to the judgment hall in the garden, sweating great drops of blood from his brow, striving against such mental anguish as no man has ever suffered. But he suffered for all of mankind's mental anguish pressures that you may be going through out there today. Believe me, Jesus paid the price for you to be free. Accept it. Receive it. Even right now while I'm speaking, accept it. Receive it because the price has been paid, so you don't have to pay for it. You just have to ask Jesus and give that to him and will be loosed from that right now. And so, When I did that with that intersection, as a reconciler, see, verse 21 here in 2 Corinthians 5, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we 
might be made the righteousness of God in him. So through Jesus Christ, we are reconciling. We are reconcilers. We are believing God to restore back or reconcile that intersection. Reconcile it means to balance the books. When you, If you don't reconcile your, your checkbook each month, you're going to be in trouble. It's not long what's going to happen. You're going to be what? You're going to be bouncing checks. And in America, that's pretty expensive. You don't want to be getting into that. So now... You say, but I still don't understand. Where is my authority? Where is my authority concerning this? Well, if you go over to Second Peter, chapter uh, two. I'm sorry, chapter. Whoops, I'm in. No wonder I'm saying that I'm in First John. Here we go. All right. Um, I'll get it here in a second. I thought I had it there. Uh, As you're locating that, folks, if you're just tuning in, we are live right now with Minister Henry Groover. Folks, I won't say this lightly, but I believe that this will be the most important program we've ever done in almost 1,000 episodes of Omega Man Radio. Uh, Brother Groover is a general in the Lord Jesus Christ Deliverance Army, and uh, he is attacking the host of hell right on the front line. To have him on tonight... And to break down these principles of how to do it is, uh, you know, Brother Gruber, if I never did another program again, I'll praise the Lord Jesus Christ for this opportunity tonight to learn. And by the way, excellent audio tonight, folks. Praise God for that. And I want to welcome those that are tuning in as far away as Tasmania right now, Germany, hey, praise the Lord. USA, Tasmania. and Canada. Take it oh, away, Brother Gruber. Yeah, praise the Lord. Well, bless you. I hope maybe he's the one of the brothers that's tuned in that I met on the way to Australia. He was flying on down to Tasmania, invited me to come on over to Tasmania and group minister in his church, but I've never done it. I'm sorry, brother, if you're listening in. <laughs> one day, maybe I'll get down into Tasmania. I've been all across Australia. Now, in First Peter chapter 2, it, it says, here, here are the qualifications to be a priest of God, or to be a reconciler, okay, to be an ambassador. Now, everybody can't be an ambassador, can they? So there are definite qualifications why a leader of a nation would choose an ambassador. Of course, number one, they're going to choose a very faithful person. They've got to have a person they can trust that will convey the message as they give it to them to take to that country. Well, chapter 2 of 1 Peter says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. Wow, how much is all? That's pretty potent, isn't it? But then it says, here you have something to really do, to humble yourself as a newborn babe, desiring the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, and if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, you also, look at this, coming to the Lord as a living stone, indeed chosen of God and precious. Verse 5, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy 
priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wow, that's powerful. That's exactly what I'm talking about, about that intersection. I am a priest of the living God because I have fulfilled these first three verses here, and I have come to the Lord as a living stone. I have come to the Lord, yes, indeed, who was rejected of men and despised, but he was chosen of God and precious. And then he also says, it just no new paragraph. I'm so thankful that they didn't even break this up to start a new paragraph there in verse 5. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is what? He is forever a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And that we know is in in uh, Hebrews chapter 5. So now, verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, look, behold means look, doesn't it? I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confused. If you're battling confusion, I have several emails that have come, and I've been trying to go through my emails. Believe me, people, please be patient with me. I've been gone for three months and two weeks overseas. And uh, so I had quite a stack of emails. I am honestly trying to answer them. I'm reading them and writing down a little note. And so be patient with me. Some of them you sent them way back in January, and I was already gone in December. So I apologize, but I don't bring a computer with me. I, I, I just try to travel light. And I don't want to be concerned with things that people could take. I, I dress very simple. I dress very, very casual, and I don't wear expensive ring or jewelry or watch or anything like that. I I don't wear anything that can make my life be taken for any of my possessions. That's another principle that's very important, especially in some foreign countries and America, some places in America. But he says here, verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confused. I have several emails from people that are battling confusion. Please, listen to that verse 6. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be confused. Do not accept confusion. Please, Command that confusion to go now, even as I agree with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let confusion have hold of you in these days. Keep your mind and your spirit clean before the Lord and pure. Verse 8, a stone of stumbling. Hmm, I'm sorry, verse 7, unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Do you believe that? But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders have disallowed or rejected, the same is made the head of the corner. Jesus is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. And he's become a stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. Whereunto also they were appointed. But you, 
I love these interruptions of God's Word. No new paragraph. Look at that, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You don't think it's peculiar if I come to that intersection? Here's that Buddhist shrine and and all these 10,000 prayers. Believe me, now people don't. They don't pay a little price for those 10,000 little birds that are strung in stringers. About, oh, they're sometimes about two feet long, and they're as, as big around as, uh, as uh, maybe about 12 inches around. Just a whole string of them, multiple strings of these little birds. Think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a dove, isn't he? And he is everywhere, isn't he? You don't have to string 10,000 birds to have the presence of God. Now, I know that when they're folding these little prayer, little things, they are praying prayers. They're supposed to be praying prayers and talking to Buddha. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is present, and you as an individual have the power, because you're a royal priesthood, you're a peculiar person, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past it says you're not a people, but you now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those are precious words there in First Peter chapter 2, 1 through 10. And so that's what we did at that intersection. We walked and prayed all four corners. Now the reason I claim... The blood, the name of Jesus is my authority, of course, and the blood of Jesus and the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord is because only the Lord knows, only the Lord knows what all took place at that intersection. Only the Lord knows exactly what all took place there. And so, therefore, we have to keep in mind he knows the history. He knows the full history. And if you just read in Matthew 27, uh, 26 and 27, you'll find the account in the, in the New Testament uh, of how Jesus suffered and what he went through and how he was betrayed by one of his 12 followers who went and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And how... He came and, and he gave to his disciples in verse 28 of chapter 26 of Matthew. He said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Oh, hallelujah. His blood is shed for the remission of sins. So you and I have the power to do that. Those words in John 20, 23 were some of the very first words in the first minutes of our Lord speaking to the people gathered, his followers gathered in the room, locked in for fear of their own life. After Jesus had died, then and they had heard he had come back from the dead, but they, they hadn't seen him many. And Thomas even said, I won't believe it unless I thrust my hand into his side where they pierced his side with a spear. I don't believe it unless I looked where those nails drove through his hands and nailed him to that cross. And, you know, 
Thomas didn't believe, but he did when he saw Jesus. And Jesus showed him his hands and his feet. And Thomas fell down and cried, My Lord and my God. And we understand that Thomas then, in his life, he gave his life, went into India. If you're listening from India, it's you're familiar. There are markers, there are stone markers in places across India where the disciple Thomas, one of the twelve, came and ministered to your people there in India. Oh, think about it. He gave his life. He died there in India giving his life because he loved you people through the love of Jesus. That's the love of God. The Lord just just comes down and, and he ministers through his, his followers. A disciple simply means his followers. And when they listen to his voice, he tells them where to go and what to do. Now, I want to ask you a question. You say, well, I would like to go to Japan to walk and pray, and uh, that would be awesome. I mean, uh, Henry, could I, and people believe me, you, I, I get emails and I get phone calls from people, and they say, could I come to Japan with you or Korea or, or some other part of the world? Could I walk and pray with you? And the first question I'm going to ask you is this. Have you walked and prayed the very community where you live? There's where it begins. We know the old saying is charity begins at home. Walk your home. Walk your, uh, your apartment, your condominium. Walk the area of, of your campsite. Walk the area of where you're living, where you're, you're recreating, wherever your recreation is, where you're fishing. Pray over that area where you're fishing. Pray over that area where you're boating. Pray over that boat landing. Pray over the, because you know accidents happen in all of these places. Pray over that body of water that you go out on, whether it be ocean, sea, or, or lake, or river. Pray over that and ask the Lord for protection and ask the Lord if there's any place along that waterway that you can, as you're enjoying fishing, you, you haven't got anything to do but sit there and wait for that fish to bite. Sit there and pray and ask the Lord, is there any place around this bank or this river, Lord, that you can have me just focus in on as a reconciler and look out across this water and pray? Is there an area where there most commonly are boating accidents? Is there an area where, parking lot area, where we park our boat or our trailer and all? Is there an area here where cars are being broken into frequently? I just want to pray over this area right now as I park my truck or car or whatever. I pray over this and I take dominion over that, that spirit of, of thievery in Jesus' name. And you see, that's the power we have. That's a reconciler. That's a priest. Priests were called of the Lord to offer up in the Old Testament sacrifices to God. They all had shifts every week in which they went and they sacrificed. And the sacrifices were for sins. The sacrifices were back here in Deuteronomy. If there was found somebody dead uh, and they didn't know who did it, in chapter 21, in verse 1, if one be found slain in the land which the Lord thy God gives you to possess it, 
lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him. Then your elders and your judges shall come forth. Well, that's what happens. We call the authorities, and they come forth, and they measure, and they do all these things, as verse 2 says. And in verse 3, it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city shall take an heifer, which have not been wrought with, a heifer that has not brought forth a calf, and have not uh, drawn the yoke, hasn't been put to the yoke yet, and the elders of that city shall bring down that heifer unto a rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley, and the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him. So you see, as a priest of the living God here in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 5, it says, For the Lord God hath chosen you to minister unto him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And look at the last part of this verse 5. And by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. Wow. Wow, and here's what they're to say. And they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. That's what the elders of that city are to do, that are nearest to where the person was found. And they're to say, verse 8, Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, whom you have redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. When that happens, then you don't have these trails and these places that turn into highways like the intersections where numerous accidents happen. But if that is not happening, that's the reason right there that I go back as far back as needs be to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture remitting those sins. Verse 9 here says, So shall you put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you when you shall do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. And so that's what we did in that intersection. We did that, and the Lord blessed that intersection. Do you know, I have done that over many intersections, uh, even in Japan, and we have gone back. Now, you know when there's accidents frequently happening in intersections. There's pieces of reflectors and pieces of of metal and all that they haven't cleaned up yet. They're quite new, and you can find old ones and new ones. If there's an earth around, they're stuck in the mud or whatever. But uh, they don't always collect everything. There's always evidence when there's been numerous accidents. This is one of the first things, people, that I challenge you to do. If you wonder if prayer walking works, find that kind of an intersection. Find it. And go and do what I'm teaching you here to do. And believe me, it will work. And what will happen? The accidents will stop happening. In my prayer walking book, the the killer intersection, we did not have another accident there for five years. And then there was a minor one. And the only injury was the girl came running into our chapel, didn't want, didn't want to be uh, identified with that accident, 
uh, because she was with a man she wasn't supposed to be with, and she was afraid her husband, as she said, would kill her if he caught her with him, which means she was being unfaithful. And now what the scripture says, be sure your sins will find you out. (laughs) And so she ran right into the chapel, and guess what we were doing in the chapel? We were having a prayer meeting. She ran right into the middle of a prayer meeting. The ladies immediately got up and began ministering to her. I went out the door to go check on the accident, and it was just a minor fender bumper where the tow truck driver came and the officer was there, and he used a crowbar to pry the fender away from the tire so the man could drive his pickup truck away, and the other car just had a little dent in the fender. Uh, in the bumper. So uh, there was not any serious injury. But you know what? The most beautiful thing was, as I listened to the tow truck driver, the man, the wrecker driver, he was railing on the police officer because he said, you never, who have you been calling out here to this intersection? I haven't been called here for years. This is the first time in years. And the officer said, this is the first time on my on my shift that there's been an accident here. And that tow truck driver said, oh, that's not the truth. We had four and five accidents happening here a week. I was called out here again and again. I don't believe that. And the officer said, well, you don't have to believe it, but I'll guarantee you on my shift there have not been any accidents. Well, I stood back just rejoicing, wouldn't you? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Oh, bless their heart. That officer said to that tow truck driver, if you don't get off my back, I won't even call you for any other accidents around. I'm telling you the truth. And the guy quieted down because he didn't want to lose business. <laughs> but that's that's the way it works. And, and that's why I believe the Holy Spirit has challenged you today in this segment is to Put it to the test somewhere where you can watch and see results. Because all of us like results. Now, you must walk all of the, the crosswalks, praying and declaring the, the payment for the sacrifice, okay? The blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord. Why all of those attributes? The blood is for the remission of the sins, as I said, as far back as needs be to that day as many generations back. The body of Jesus is for the agony of them that have suffered that allowed that area to become a stronghold of the enemy. The mind of Jesus is for the mind of them that have suffered these these bad experiences. When you have an accident, you remember that spot. You, Where I died in that accident in Northern California, every time our family passed by that area, we all were looking, all of the children were looking, Dad, it, it's coming up. I know it's right up here, right up here where the accident was. Even though we'd only go through there once or twice a year, they all had to call attention. That's where you died, Dad, and Jesus brought you back from the dead. So you see, accidents are something that all of us are sensitive to, especially if we have been involved in it. And if you have been there and seen it and witnessed it, it also is something that stays in your mind, especially if there's death or, or serious injury. And so there is a, a, an example of prayer walking 
You can do that and see results. You will see results in your home. You have the power to remit sins in your family. Let's say I have many, many uh, emails here that I've been reading where they are saying, pray for my son, pray for my daughter, pray for my husband. He's an alcoholic and very abusive. Uh, I just answered a letter today to a dear woman that said, I don't know how much longer I can endure his abuse. I'm a good Christian, but it's getting so difficult. And I I just encouraged her, please, please, don't give up. Begin remitting his sins. Now, when you remit sins, that's John 20, 23 that I gave you, also you must do the Romans 2, verse 4. Follow it up with that. The Lord taught me that principle as well. Release the goodness of God over the sinner. You know why? Because if you don't release the goodness of God, yes, you can remit the sin, but release the goodness of God, for it says, for it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So please understand right up front now that I am not saying that when you remit a person's sins that they're instantly saved. i got to clarify that because a lot of people don't understand that. They think, oh, Henry, you're running around remitting sins and saving people that you just look at and you never speak a word to, you just talk to God about. No, no, no. When you remit a person's sins, here's what the Lord told me in 1985 in Shrewsbury, England. I said, Lord, would you... Tell me your definition of what happens in the sinner when I remit their sins. I love what the Lord told me. I know his voice. You walk with the Lord, you'll learn his voice, too. That's one of the benefits of walking and praying. Here's what he said to me. He said, Henry, when you ask me to forgive a person's sins that is not repenting. That's what remitting is. You're asking God to forgive when a person is not repenting. Now, they don't have to hear you say that. You don't have to look them in the face and say, I remit that in the name of Jesus. I remit your sins. You can do it silently. And with a family member, if you're in trouble with a family member and you're like that one dear lady that wrote me the email that she's about to give up, This is going to be difficult if you're listening in. It's going to be difficult to follow through with Romans 2, verse 4. Releasing the goodness of God. Because if you're bitter at a person and you don't really forgive them, you cannot then turn right around and say, And Father, I ask you to forgive them. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to pour your goodness upon this husband, upon this wife, upon this brother, this sister, this son, this daughter, this niece, nephew, this neighbor. I ask you to pour your goodness upon them. You see, if you genuinely in your heart are wanting forgiveness for that person, then you will easily be able to say that. But if you're just doing it mechanically, I, I challenge you, try to try to ask God to pour his love and his goodness upon that person. You won't be able to do it. You won't be able to do it, I guarantee you. Then you've got to go back and repent for your hardness and your bitterness. Please do not take on bitterness. Bitterness, the, the, the definition in the dictionary, that book right there in front of me, Webster's Dictionary, the definition of the word bitterness, it means 
to to want or desire to get even. Oh boy, you want to get even with that person. That is not forgiveness. That is bitterness, and is to hold it in your heart. And the Bible says one little root of bitterness will defile many. So guard yourself about bitterness. Guard yourself. I just ministered to a man this afternoon who came to the house who was so bitter because of a very abusive stepfather. And I said, you've got to forgive him, and you've got to ask the Lord to pour his love and his goodness upon him. And believe me, as you do that, then ask the Lord to just renew your love for that, that stepdad. Ask the Lord to renew your love. If you've never had a love for him, to give you his love. It's okay. It's really okay to say, Lord, I don't like that person. I don't want to forgive them. i got to be honest with you, Lord. I don't want to forgive that person. I don't like them. It's all right to be honest with God. Why? Because he sees your heart. He knows it. I've had people that I didn't like on the streets. They were very abusive. They were very cruel, very mean to me. But when I asked the Lord to pour his love and his goodness upon them, oh, I tell you what, the Lord would give me such a love for them that from then on I could look at that person when they spit in my face. (laughs) I had one dear lady one night I Well, I went into a, a bar. I went into a dance hall. They were dancing. I was very zealous. I don't do this so much anymore. I, I've done it up to about 20 years ago. I used to do it every Thursday night. I would go to bars and places and would walk in, and I'd go out on the dance floor, and I would tap a guy on the shoulder, hand him a track, and say, I dare you to read this. <laughs> I did that one night, and the, the gal he was dancing with, grabbed me by the hair of the head. I don't have a lot of hair left in the front of my hair, but she got a hold of a handful of my hair, jerked my head down, and uh, put her high heel right in the middle of my foot, right right above my toes, and just put her full. And she's a pretty good-sized lady, a lot bigger than I am, and she put her full weight on that high heel, and, oh, my word, that hurt. She was so mad at me. (laughs) I had to forgive her. (laughs) I had to say, Lord, I remit that. I did get away from her. She let go of my hair, and I got away. And because the guy she was with, I don't know if it was her date or her husband or who, he says, hey, come on. He's just trying to give me something nice here. I'll put it in my pocket. Hey, fella, I'll read it later. Let me dance. And so that was the end of the conflict. But... uh, (laughs) I remember that. I remember that very well. You remember that. But you see, I pray for those individuals. That person's come back to my mind many times. And when she come back to my mind and him, I prayed for them until the Lord took it off of my heart. And that means my responsibility is finished. And I don't have to pray anymore because the Lord doesn't bring them back to me. But this is... uh, This is really important in what I'm talking about because the Lord himself, did he walk? Did he pray? Think about it. 
I don't find but one incident in the Bible where he rode. Do you find any other incidents where he rode? He rode on a donkey, didn't he? A colt. A donkey's young colt. And he rode into Jerusalem. Now look, I grew up around donkeys and horses. And I want to tell you something. To ride a, a young colt of a, of a donkey, you have a ride in store for you. He'll try to kick you off. He'll try to buck you off. He'll try to bite you. And yet Jesus walked right down into Jerusalem, right in the middle of the multitude of people. I've seen many cowboys go flying off of donkeys trying to break them. I saw one fly completely over the fence once, and that cowboy was not very nice to that donkey. He <laughs> grabbed a two-by-four big piece of wood and went in there beating that poor donkey. But uh, <laughs> Jesus, that donkey submitted to Jesus, and he rode into that. But otherwise, he walked. He walked everywhere. And if you look in your Bible... You see the journey of Jesus, the journey of Paul and different journeys in some Bibles. You'll see he did an awfully lot of walking. And so another question that comes from people, why do I have to walk and pray? Why can't I ride my bike? Why can't I drive a car? Why can't I fly over an area? You can do all of the above, believe me. And it's okay. It's good to do that. But answer me a question. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It says that they're still on the milk and not the meat, not having your senses. What are your senses? Touch, taste, sight, smell, and hearing, right? You've got five senses. Those five senses as you walk are dictating to you every step of the way. Those senses are like a cat's whiskers in the dark. They're your discernment. And as you, whatever you pick up on in your senses, exercising your senses, as Hebrews 5.14 says, to discern, to discern. Huh. That means to find out what is good or what is evil. And believe me, as you walk and pray, you will become sensitive in your senses, so sensitive that your senses from one step to the next, there will be times when such an evil thought will come upon you. You will think, oh, what is this? I'm walking, I'm praying, I'm doing a spiritual exercise, and now this horrible thought has hit me. Don't take it personally. There's a teaching I do called that, and there's, a, there's one of the chapters in my prayer walking book called Don't Take It Personally, because what it means is you have stepped from one step to the next into a territory where the wickedness of that sin that came to your mind is commonly occurring and where the enemy has a stronghold there. Please understand that. Immediately when that thought comes to you, even if you were guilty of it in the past and you repented of it, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Please understand that. You are forgiven. And so therefore, take that to the Father 
instantly. Remember, Jesus taught us how to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. So when I walk and pray, I, I pray and I talk to the Father in heaven because I'm one of his children. You are one of his children. You are one of his holy priests. And so therefore, don't take it personally. Instantly take it to the Father and say, Father, that's sin. And I have just walked into the middle of it. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it happened. But I refuse to retain this. Remember John twenty twenty three. I want to keep quoting that. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Keep that in mind. Another good scripture in that area is Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. In, in this hour and 40 minutes or whatever we're going to be doing here, two hours, uh, this is important that you understand this. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 76, has such a powerful, powerful message in it. But here, it says here, now let's go back further than 76. It says, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. I'm preparing to go back to Korea. I have received several phone calls and people are saying, please, Henry, don't go into South Korea right now. Well, I know if my flight will get me there, I'm going. Amen. Because I've had a burden for North Korea now for a year and a half, and I have been asking the Lord to get me into North Korea. And so he's talking about attacking South Korea. Well, maybe the Lord will put me into North Korea that way. I don't know. I'm willing to go into North Korea. I'm willing to die there if it needs be. If if God could use me to get there to that leader of North Korea, I would go. If I got a call right today and they'd say, you have a ticket to North Korea, would you go? I would say, absolutely. And if they said, do you realize now It can cost you your life. I would say that's no problem whatsoever. Just put me on that plane and put me there, and I will go. Because I believe God is wanting to deal with that young man in North Korea. I have a burden for him. I'm praying that God will get a hold of him. I believe with all of my heart that that young man is waking up in a cold sweat with dreams of somebody coming up and shooting him in the back of the head and and killing him. I believe that young man is in fear of his life, and that's why he wants to get all of his generals and everybody busy into, into conflict so he can get them busy and they'll leave him alone. I don't know. I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord, on that reasoning, but I feel that he is fearful for his life. And I would love to go and face that young man and tell him exactly the word of the Lord and what he's going through. I've, I've said it to gang leaders on many continents of the earth. 
I've said it right to their face. And they've said to me, man, you're reading my mail. How did you know that? None of my gang knows that. Why are you saying that in front of my gang? I look them right in the eye and say, because you know it's the truth and I know it's the truth. And how many of your gang here have the same problem where they wake up in a cold sweat and these their gangs will begin to nod and say, me too, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Man, like you're reading my mail too. You see... Even as the Bible says, we in the Lord as Christians, we bear one another's burdens and what we suffer, our brothers and sisters are suffering around the world also. So you see, we're never suffering alone. There are many that are suffering. There are many in North Korea that are suffering. I've been in Korea many trips now, and I've heard some of the most horrible, horrible, horrible tortures of Christians that were discovered and found and tortured before they died. I want to go in there. I don't care what happens to my life, but I want to go in there. I've been remitting that young man's sins. I've been asking God to pour his love upon him. I've been asking God to do, I think it's the Matthew 9:37 experience, that he would surround him with Christians that will love him to the Lord. Even if it costs their life, I had a call uh, from a dear sister in Dallas, Texas, just just two days ago. She heard that I was going to South Korea and had a burden for North Korea, and she said, "Henry," she said, "I had to call you because just this morning such a burden come on me for that leader of North Korea, and I was praying, oh God, raise up.'" Raise up someone that is willing to go to witness to him, to speak the truth to him. And she says, then I just heard today that someone said that you were willing to go. Henry, I'm going to be praying that God will open the door. That's Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That young man Jesus deserves the reward of his sufferings, that that young man would be saved, that he would not go into a devil's pit and into eternity without God like his dad and his grandfather, that he would not split hell wide open and his generals and all of them with him. Jesus is worthy of the reward of his sufferings that they might be saved. And so I'm sorry, I just went off on a different thing there. But uh, this is something that many people are seeing now. And they're, they're, they're saying, oh, don't go in. One dear lady called me last night and she says, Henry, oh, Henry, don't go. Don't go to South Korea. They're, they're going to attack and you'll die there. I said, listen, if God continues to give me the peace to go, I will go. And that is a very important principle of prayer walking. The Lord taught me at 18 years old, Henry, I will give you peace and I will give you a song. If at any time you lose peace or cannot remember the song, remember the song goes with the scripture that says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when you have the joy of the Lord, you will have a song. You will have a song. Amen? I'll let 
Brother Davis break in here. If he needs to make an announcement or something, I'll take a five minute or so off, and we'll continue, okay? Before we do that, Brother Groover, for those that are tuning in, if they would like to support your ministry, is there a way that they can do that? Yes, they can. They can uh, just send uh, to Joyful Sound Ministries, uh, P.O. or Post Office Box 144, 144, Woodbine, Iowa, W-O-D-B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, I-O-W-A, U-S-A, 51579. Or they can go into PayPal on our website, and they can make a donation that way, and they'll receive a receipt right away from PayPal. Uh, Either that way, uh, uh, if they're international or something, uh, PayPal will transfer that into American dollars, and we, our little bank here, we have to send it to the main bank in Omaha, Nebraska, and it takes a long time to get it converted over. But uh, uh, PayPal does it very well, but whatever. Uh, that's how they can give, and we, we do send out receipts continually uh, to people that give, and we appreciate your giving. We do not send out, you will not be uh, saturated with mail in your box of, you, we need you to give, we need you to do this, we need you to do that. We we don't tell our needs. Uh, I believe in going into my closet, and when I've closed the door uh, behind me, I pray to the Father in secret, and he hears and he rewards and supplies our needs openly. And so we say we live by faith, and we do. And so therefore we don't tell people our needs, we tell the Lord. We're going to give that so contact. So that's how that works. Uh, Praise the Lord. And We're going to give that contact information out again. If you're just tuning in, and Brother Gruber, we have people tuning in right now from Lithuania. We've got a listener in Switzerland, Canada, Praise and we're tuning Lord. in. Uh, we're live right now with Henry Gruber, the prayer walker. This is episode 968. His website, joyfulsoundministries.com. We're going to take about a five-minute break, and then we're going to come back with more teaching tonight. Brother Groover, this is powerful teaching that you're doing tonight. I'm it's I'm it's like Christmas time. I feel like I'm opening presents tonight. <laughs> this is my heart, brother. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're gonna give it's him a five heart. minute break and we're gonna be back with more Henry Groover in just a moment. Are you ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and tune in each night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific to the Omega Man Radio Network with your host, Shannon Ray Davis. Omega Man Radio is taking enemy territory for Jesus Christ, Yahshua preaching the gospel of the Messiah, and ministering in deliverance and miracle healing. Add some great guest interviews, and you have the recipe for fresh oil for the airwaves. Tune in at OmegaManRadio.com. Folks, welcome back to... A special treat tonight. It's our honor to bring to you tonight the prayer walker, Henry Groover, here and live tonight on episode 968. I might have to call tonight's program everything you wanted to know about prayer walking, but did not know who to ask. Brother Groover, this yes. is such an important word and training session tonight. Um, I wish only that people were preaching this truth in the churches across uh, the world, because, you know, this is uh, the work that the Lord has called us to do, 
to go against the host of hell, preach the gospel, cast out devils in Jesus' name, pray for the sick, remit the sins, and uh, I'm loving this training tonight because this is information we need. You are right what you said. We are in a war right now against the host of hell, and uh, yes. you know, we have been charged to go and take back the land in Jesus' name. And, That's uh, right. That's I'm excited right. tonight uh, for this training. Now, let me take you to a moment, a moment in time. Uh, it could have been any one of these places that you've been to. You've been to uh, Shinto temples. You've been to um, places that were so deadly that uh, people were afraid to walk because of the two-step adder. You've uh, yes. climbed down cliffs into caves where uh, human beings were sacrificed. Uh, you have come up against powerful witchcraft in Europe, and uh, I believe even led a warlock there to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say uh, tomorrow the Lord were to send you to a location, and you've been prepped, or the Lord tells you when you get there, that some terrible atrocities have been there. Let's say human sacrifice. Tell yes. me, break down step by step, what would be the first, what would you do to accomplish the mission there? Okay. I can give you a, a fresh testimony on that. Uh, we just came from South Korea. We went to Hawaii. People say, oh, you, you, you relaxed and had a nice vacation in Hawaii. No, no, no. I went to the big island of Hawaii because pastors there uh, became very aware and very concerned because the, they're raising up, they're wanting to raise up again the culture of of the of the big eye and that culture was human sacrifice oh no and numerous places around the big island predominantly uh around the area of kona were temples enormous temples where they did human sacrifice and they bludgeoned their victim tormenting them bludgeoning their body not killing them making it a point not to kill them bludgeoning them till they passed out and then bludgeoning them when they come to again and again, doing this again and again because they believe that the more they tormented the person, the more, get this, the more manna they received when they killed the person and ate them, cannibalism. They used, literally used the term manna. Well, manna is what God brought down from heaven for the children of Israel in the wilderness, right? And so I thought, boy, I tell you to think about this. And this went on up till the 1800s on the big island of Japan. I had no idea that this kind of thing took place on the islands, any islands of Hawaii. But we went into heavy areas of foliage and all, crawled back into these places where that uh, people don't go except people that are wanting to resurrect this. And we went and we went on to the land where these altars and where these temples were, including some that they have recently resurrected and raised up and have rebuilt. Now, when the queen of the Hawaiian Islands became a Christian in the early 1800s, I believe it was the early 1800s, all of this to cease and immediately to stop human sacrifice and all of that. And then we prayed over the first church on the big island and these areas. So 
we not only prayed over the places of human sacrifice, but over the first church and went through that and prayed through that. But when I went on to the land, all right, before you go into a stronghold of this magnitude, number one, I would say it is probably best to spend some time before the Lord, ask the Lord if how much time you should fast and pray, because this is a stronghold. This is a very powerful stronghold. There are different levels of strengths of the enemy, just like you have low voltage on your computer. It wouldn't shock you if you touched that computer circuitry. But if you put a wire into the outlet on the wall, that's 110 here, or in some countries it's 220, you're going to get a jolt. And 220, you're going to get a terrible jolt. But then there's power on the poles up above your head there of your, your home or your city. And then there's giant power lines that go across the country from the power stations and the generating plants. So you see there are different levels of power. There are different levels of strengths, of energy. The same thing stands for warfare in the spirit, for spiritual warfare. I do not encourage people that are just entering into spiritual warfare to go into these places of powerful strongholds. Please, don't do that. You're not insulated well enough. (laughs) You need to be insulated very well when you go into these areas. You need to be insulated very, very well. And so uh, fasting and praying will insulate you. Before I left on this trip to go in this last three-month trip, the Lord had me do fasting and praying at a very family-oriented time, a very family time when my family was gathering over the holidays here in America. What? Well, all these goodies and all these things, it's harder to fast when all the when they're all feasting on these goodies, all these sweets and everything that they make up during this time of celebration of our Lord's birth. But uh, the Lord had me do fasting in that time. And because he told me I was going to be fighting a very powerful battle, and if I didn't prepare ahead of time, then there would be no effect and there wouldn't be enough power to overpower the enemy's territory. So I fulfilled my obedience. In Corinthians, it says you can be ready to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Is that right? You familiar with that scripture out there? It's in Corinthians here, chapter 5. It says you're, I'm sorry, chapter 10. What am I saying? 5, 4. But uh, it's in in uh, First Corinthians, I believe. I'm going to find it here. First and as Corinthians you're looking that up, five. Brother Groover, I wanted mm-hmm. to tell you, I always have time in my back pocket. You take as much time as needed tonight. We are enjoying this. I want to welcome people to the program. We've got Henry Groover, JoyfulSoundMinistries.com, live with us tonight. Folks, you are getting a college-level uh, course tonight. Uh Warfare College course on prayer walking from the general in the prayer walking army, the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue on, brother. (laughs) Well, thank you, brother. 
<laughs> it's just simply my life. But uh, uh, in Second Corinthians, I was right the first time. Don't they say the first guess is normally most accurate? Chapter 10 of Second Corinthians. Uh, it says here in verse 6, having in a readiness or being ready to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So you see, there is a measure of obedience that we have to fulfill in our life before we walk into these places. Why do you mean walk? Well, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. We do not war after the flesh. Always keep that in mind. 4, verse 4, 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down. Here's, so we have to do some casting. To cast means you throw it down. Throwing down imaginations and every high thing, every fear or every tormenting thought that comes at you, casting down imaginations and every high thing that boasts itself or acknowledgeth, exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Not your knowledge, but the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is that on that cross, in that garden, in that judgment hall, Jesus conquered. He conquered all principalities and powers. The Bible says, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Do I ever have thoughts of fear when I, as, as Brother Shannon said, I, I crawl down into these caves? People, <laughs> I have had horrible fears come at me. You better believe it. When it's so dark, you can't hardly see where you're putting your hand. I've had spiders in those caves as big as my hand. I've had serpents in those caves. Uh and I've had them so close to me, they were within six inches of my face. And they didn't strike me. They didn't bite me. Deadly serpents. I don't know if I've been bit. In that two-step adder, that deadly snake island there of, uh, of uh, Japan, everyone told me, you will die there. I said, I will not give my life for a stinking snake. And that was my wording to them. For when the Bible says, if any deadly thing bites you, it won't hurt you. Now, am I going to believe the word of God or am I going to believe what the history of that snake is? Two-step adder, why? Why do they call it two-step? Because it bites you, the, it goes into your bloodstream, it affects your nervous system, you fall down, and then it affects your respiratory and then your heart. Two steps and you're dead. Well... That's the history of it, but the Word of God is older than that because in the beginning was the Word, right? So the Word was before deadly serpents. Jesus was there. The Father spoke those serpents into existence. And I believe because of the curse, they are deadly. Because of the curse, they have poison. 
But when the curse is broken in the years of the the reign of our Lord on the earth for a thousand years, the Bible's very clear that a child can play around the place of that deadly snake or boa constrictor, and it won't hurt them. They can play with the, the, the bear, and the bear, a big grizzly bear, a Kodiak bear, won't hurt them. And so, verse 6, it simply says, that being bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ and then being ready to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so it's important that you do that, that you cast down, cast down imaginations and fears, it says there, casting down in verse 5, in every high thing that boasts itself against the knowledge of God. And so it's important that we we do this. It says here uh, in Luke chapter 1, just before we uh, took the break there, I was just getting into Luke 1. One of your greatest enemies uh, is fear. One of your greatest enemies, keep that in mind, one of your greatest enemies is fear. But look at verse 67 of Luke chapter 1. That's the four gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the third book of the New Testament. Here it says in verse 67, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Now remember, he is the Lord God of Israel, absolutely, and we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And if you don't have a love for the the Hebrew people, you better get that love because that's going to be a very important factor in the days ahead of us here for getting sealed by the Holy Spirit. But verse 69, And he hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So you see, your redemption and mine was chosen by God to come through the Hebrew people in the house of David. And so... That makes that land of Israel very precious to the Lord because it should be precious to us too because it was so precious to him to choose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and promise them and make covenants with them to a thousand generations. We're not even past 700 generations yet, people, if you calculate it at like 40 to 70 years. All right, verse 70, and he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. What has God been speaking from the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began? Verse 71, as I read a while ago, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. That's why I'm not afraid to go into North Korea. I've I've gone among gangs in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, I've been surrounded by the Hezbollah over in the Middle East. They were going to strip my clothes off and start with, they had the pliers in their hand and pull my fingernails out by the roots and then skin me alive and before they cut my throat and killed me. And I did the very thing that I'm telling you people. I was so afraid in the beginning. Yes, I was afraid. I was shaking so bad I couldn't keep my eyes closed to pray. I couldn't speak. I was shaking so bad as they surrounded me and told me that. But 
when I cried out to the Lord in, in Psalms 120, verse 1, David says, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord. Hey, listen, when you're in distress, cry unto the Lord, and he will hear you, and he will deliver you. And so I cried unto the Lord, and he delivered me. Psalms 34, verse 6, he delivered me out of all of my fears. How much is all? When he delivers you out of all of your fears, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Verse 71 there of Luke chapter 1. Why did he do that for me in that cave with the Hezbollah? Why did he do that? See, I went into that cave to wait on the Lord and pray, not knowing and get out of the hot sun. <laughs> I didn't know I went into their hideout. But the Lord knew that, and he set me up. And he set me up because he knew I would put my trust in him. And why did he do that? Verse 72, because he knew I would perform the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his holy covenant. Verse 73, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. If you're a child of faith, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ tonight or today, wherever you are there, and if your faith is in the blood of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you have said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he shed his blood for my sins. And you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to tell you, you're my brother. You're my sister. I don't care what the enemy's trying to tell you. You're my brother. You're my sister. And nothing can take that away from you as you keep looking up to the Lord. And here it is, see, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, verse 74, being delivered, see, so you, you cannot know what deliverance is from the hand of the enemy until you're being delivered out of the hand of your enemy that you might serve him without fear. I had fear. I cried to him in that cave. He took it away from me. He gave me such peace, and he said, Now, I want you to look in their faces, and I want you to remit their sins. And I'll tell you, when I began doing, there was 12, 13 of those Hezbollah around me. I, there was no direction I could run. They had their guns right on me and everything. There was nowhere to go. And I looked right in the face of their leader. I looked right in the face of each one of them and said, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I remit his sins. I ask you to pour your love and your goodness upon that young man. And by the time I had said that for three or four young men, such a love overwhelmed me in that case for every one of those men that my life meant nothing to me from that point on. It meant absolutely nothing. I thought if this is where I'm to die, Lord, it would be an honor. And that peace came over me, and I finished looking each one of them in the face, turning around, and silently. I didn't even do it out loud, people. I silently looked them in the eyes, but by the third or the fourth person, such a smile came over my face as I released the goodness of God upon them. When I looked back into the face of the leader who had the pliers in his hand to begin pulling my fingernails out by the quick and skinning me alive, I looked into his face, and I smiled, and I said, do what you have to do. And I bowed my head, and then I could close my eyes. Such peace was upon me. And here's exactly what I was praying. Father in heaven, silently, Jesus, it says, 
as a lamb before its shears is dumb, didn't open his mouth. You see, it isn't. you don't have to talk at a time like that. It, that isn't necessary. It's from your heart that you pray. And I prayed, Father in heaven, if this is where I'm to die, there is only one request I have. This is all. That you let me speak Arabic. That you let me speak their language. And that I'm able to tell them how much you love them and that I forgive them. And I hold nothing in my heart against them. And let my dying words be, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And as I was praying that to the Father, I heard a jingling and shuffling, and they were running out of that cave as fast as they could go. I never saw them again. And not one person confronted me in that walk after that. It was like people there in the Middle East in that country were afraid of me there in Lebanon. It's like they were afraid of me. They would step out of a building. They would step back in. They, 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 they were afraid to face me. I think the, the word went through that town and that area like wildfire about me. So you see, God delivered me from the fear, the oath which he swore to our father, that he would grant unto us that being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Now here's very important, verse 40, 75, verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. That song that you were just playing, Shannon, washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's how you are in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of your life. Yes, I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. And verse 76 says, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for you shall go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto the people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Look at verse 79. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Oh, my, 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 my. It says it all right there. Luke chapter 1, 61 through 79 is powerful. And if you're listening to this tonight and you've just tuned in or been listening and you don't have the Lord Jesus in your heart, I tell you, this is available to you. You see, it says you've been a prophet of the highest here in in in. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 19, it says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. You see, the truest form of prophecy, the most wonderful realm of prophecy, is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I'm giving to you today is, is the testimony of, of Jesus. You see, that's chapter 19, verse 10 of Revelation. He says, and it's part B, or the second part of that verse, I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so the Lord says he's bound. He says, I'm bound. I won't do anything dangerous or anything against you except I first reveal it through the mouth of my servants the prophets well I don't I don't ask to be called a prophet 
But I'll tell you what, I love the testimony of Jesus and what Jesus does. And you, as a prayer walker, if you're just starting, now I'll go back to what Shannon asked a while ago. We're going into a cave. We're going into a cave. We know that it's a stronghold. We know that it's a place where there is an altar where there have been human sacrifices. All right? Number one, I I, I finished before the break and said it's important if you know you're going into a place like this, don't go in as a beginner. Go in as in, in only as a seasoned warrior. Choose your battleground wisely. I don't mean this to bring fear on you. I just simply say there's wisdom. And wisdom is justified of her children, the Bible says. But do fasting and praying before you go into that stronghold. And then ask the Lord before you go out walking to take on that stronghold or, or prayer walking alone. Ask the Lord to forgive you of any sin known or unknown. That's very important because you and I don't even begin to realize or comprehend how holy our God is. And we can sin not even knowing we sin. Isaiah was a righteous man, a wonderful prophet of God. But when he saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train, the royal train of the King of kings and Lord of lords filled that temple He fell on his face and cried, Woe is unto me. I'm an unclean man. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He said, I'm not ready for this. And God had to have an angel take a tong and, and take a coal off the fire and touch his lips so that he could talk and listen and not be bowing down, feeling unworthy. You and I have been made worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the body, the mind, and the Spirit of the Lord. And so when I go in there, I ask him to forgive me before going. I ask him to do what Ephesians chapter 6 says. Put on, therefore, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the wickedness, the, the, the rowdiness of the devil. Let your feet be shod with the preparation or prepared of the good news of peace. Let your waist be girded about or covered with girded about with truth. Put on the breast or your, your chest area, your vital organs, with righteousness. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, whereby you shall be able to conquer all the fiery darts of the wicked one, the powers and principalities, the ruler of darkness, the prince of this world. Keep that scripture in mind. Ephesians chapter 6, it tells you to take it on, take on the whole armor of God so that you will be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. And so prepare yourself, put the armor on before you go in to that area of stronghold. And then verse 12 of chapter 6 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So you see, we're covered in that way if we take on the armor of God. After you've taken on the armor of God and you're ready to go into that cave, are ready to go out on the battleground wherever, Here's another very important principle. 
Father in heaven, pray this way. Father in heaven, I ask for your protection over me, over my family, over my brothers and sisters in Christ, both near and far away. Protect us against any distraction, diversion, or attack of the enemy. Send your holy angels to be around about us. For the word of God says, when you fear God, you see, you fear God. You're not fearing man. You're not fearing powers and principalities. But when you fear God, then the angels of the Lord, the Bible says, encamp around about you. They set up camp around you. And believe me, if one angel back there in David's day can kill 70,000 people, (laughs) you need those angels around you. Because angels are not in the business of killing people nowadays, per se. The angels of the Lord are there to be a shield around about you and to come from heavenly presence around you so that you're shielded with the glory and the presence of Almighty God. So now you're covered, you're shielded, you've asked for protection against the enemy, and now you go in by faith and you exercise your senses, not taking any thoughts personally. Believe me, you go into a stronghold like that, you can be hit with some of the most filthy, vile, and vulgar thoughts that you have never thought or would not ever think would come to your mind. You must understand you have walked into that area of filth and wickedness of the enemy. Your senses are picking up on it. Instantly remit those sins as far back as needs be to however many generations back when they first went into that cave to do any kind of a wicked, lewd, vile or corrupt or murderous act. Remit those sins as far back as needs be. And then go and take dominion over that human sacrifice altar or over that area where they have fetishes and curses and and they're all their different things stored up. Go in there and take dominion over them and render the power of them and the manifestation of them powerless. And then declare in there or over that stronghold in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the shed blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord. I remit the sins of those that have committed these acts. I remit the sins of bitterness of those that have been subjected to human sacrifice or that have had loved ones taken from their presence and subjected to these atrocities and they found perhaps their their mutilated remains later. I remit the sins of bitterness in families that hold bitterness against whoever did this. I ask you to forgive them for that bitterness. Take it out of their heart, their mind, and their spirit. I remit the sins that are of those that are descendants or are living today that have committed these acts or as many generations back. Now, you're not praying for dead people. Please understand this. But the sin remains until the sacrifice is provided and applied. Now, Jesus provided it, but you must apply it. And so you declare right there, I remit the sins as far back, as many generations back, 
in the families of them and their descendants as needs be to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture, or to those that are living today right now, I remit their sins, and I ask you to pour your love and your goodness upon those that are living. Now, we're not praying for the dead, but we're remitting the sins, but we're praying for those that are living, that have been subjected to it and have committed it. In Jesus' name. And then when you finish in there, then you can loudly declare, and I always loudly declare this, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord. Believe me, Satan hates to hear those attributes. I now declare this area cleansed, and I declare anyone coming into this area from this time forth to commit any act of obedience to Lucifer, to the powers of darkness, or to the subjection of mankind who has taken dominion and held them as subjects or servants. I say in the name of Jesus, you come here for this act or for this curse or fetish from this time forth. You will come face to face with the shed blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord, and you will have no alternative but to fall down and repent of your wickedness or else turn and flee from here, never to come here again for this purpose. And then when I finish, I sing over that area, the blood of Jesus, or hallelujah, hallelujah. And we begin to sing a chorus unto the Lord, because in Isaiah and many places in the Scriptures, it says the mountains and the hills will break forth into singing, and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. So I want those rocks of the caves, I want those those trees and rocks and, and altar areas on top of mountains, in altar areas, in Buddhist temples or wherever, to hear praise and thanksgiving to the Lord and worship to the Lord. And as you do that, believe me, you will see awesome results. I just, last February of this year, went back to the two-step Adder Island off from from. Okinawa, and took two people there that had never been there before that heard the testimony and wanted to come, one from Ohio, one from Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States here, and showed them that. And we went into the cave, and they felt the presence of God in that massive cave that eight, nine years ago was full of altars and full of demonic activity like you wouldn't believe. Now it's a visitation site. That island that no farmer would go on because it was infested with adders. No fisherman would tie up around the trees around the island because they drop into their boat and they get bit, they die. Now there are roads around that island. There are fields and farms of vegetables and fruits all over that island. So people, I tell you, it works from the simplest ways to the most complex. Think about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, if you're just tuning in, we have Henry Groover on tonight. Brother Groover, we have some bonus questions for you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, this is powerful tonight. Man, I, I love this show. Okay. Today, let me give you an example. Today, I was uh, riding down the road. I was on the way to meet my brother, and we were going to fellowship for a few hours. And I'm driving by this road, and I looked over, and I see a shingle, and I looked, and it's a fortune teller. Uh-huh. And they were literally only uh, a block or two from a church. 
And uh-huh. uh, if you come across a place, whether it be a fortune teller or a Masonic lodge or a strip bar or you know an adult porno store, whatever, okay? Um, yes. Is there anything that we can do? Or if you know where a witchcraft coven was meeting, okay? Uh, is oh, there absolutely. Can There's something you can do. To shut those uh, things down. What would we do to attack them in Jesus' name? I would, again, walk around that habitation first and remit the sins as far back as needs be because I'll tell you why that, that palm reading or that fortune-telling place is there is because there has been some kind of a blood sacrifice which opened it up for Satan to do an operational center. Uh, uh, an adult, I call it adultery bookstore, adult bookstore, or uh, a nude dancing or something like this. These kind of places have had innocent blood pour into the ground. I've seen visions through the years where atrocities were committed, where innocent victims were molested and killed, and their blood went in there, and no one went and cleansed that land and applied the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord in the name of Jesus over that area to cleanse it, and thereby it became a stronghold for the enemy. And so you can do that. Go around it and pray around it and remit its sins and then declare that that payment has been paid. Now this place will, will, will close in Jesus' name. And be, be patient. Be faithful. Sometimes they close right away. Sometimes they don't. I've gone into adult, uh, into uh, occult bookstores. I could give you one called the Oh, dear, now I just lost the name. Iron something. Uh, this would verify by a dear sister up in uh, New Philadelphia, Ohio. Uh, I think it was the Iron Dragon or something like that. Uh, we prayed over that and walked around it for three years, and it was closed. And we got to be there the night they were moving everything out. Wow. And the man that owned it. I went inside of it. I went through it just walking and quietly, silently remitting the sins and taking dominion over it. And the next year I came back and they were moving out. Uh, Many places like that we have been praying over. And God comes in and cleans them up. A beautiful testimony, fresh, right, right from Okinawa, Japan, this year, the end of February. I went to a pastor's church who told me we were going to go prayer walking. He had invited me back since last year. For three years, we had been going to his church, walking through the red light district of that area of Naha City, Okinawa. And it had been that red light area for 70 years. And the people there said it will always be red light district. No one will ever change it. For three years, we walked through it. This year... He was so excited. He said, Henry, prayer walking works. That area is now being bulldozed down by bulldozers. The city fathers said, we're tired of this filth, corruption, and the police having to go in there all the time. We're finished with it. And they went in and shut them all down. And now they're bulldozing it down. That entire area there. I would say it's probably close to almost uh, a half a square mile. And uh, guess what? They're going to make it a brand new big city park. Amazing. Right there in Naha City, Okinawa. <laughs> Brother uh, ah. Gruber, 
praise the Lord, on this most recent trip, tell us again where you went to. You went to Hawaii? Where else? I went to uh, Japan, Okinawa, and uh, different Ishigaki Island of, uh, down in the Okinawa prefecture. I was there for five weeks. And then I went to Korea, and we walked and prayed and had meetings in South Korea in three different cities of Korea. And uh, then I came to the big island of Japan and was there for six days walking and praying. And then I came up into North Carolina and was there for four days doing walking and praying and teaching there. And then I came home. So three months and almost two weeks. You mentioned Japan. Uh, did you have a chance to uh, prayer walk Fukushima? Uh, Hiroshima? Uh, where they had the the, uh, the nuclear meltdown there in uh, Fukushima? Yes, I have walked Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, I have walked both of them thoroughly. And uh, yes, we have walked them. And there is, in both of those cities now, are powerful, powerful Christian movements. Whereas in the past, they couldn't seem to survive. A church would start and it would die. It would start and it would die. Believe it or not, we walked with a precious Lutheran pastor in Nagasaki. Loved the Lord. I just loved him. His sweetest spirit, man. We walked and prayed the area where they, they beheaded a 100 Christians back in the 1400s. And they took their heads on ox carts clear over to the Sea of Japan side uh, and buried them there because they were superstitious, afraid that if they buried their heads with them, their heads would come back on and they would uh, come and haunt them. <laughs> we broke that power and that spirit off, and the churches in Nagasaki began to grow. The churches in Hiroshima have been growing, and we have been seeing tremendous moves of God in home meetings and new churches and churches growing in those cities. Now, speaking of Japan, uh, where they had the tsunami and it hit that nuclear power plant, was that called Fukushima? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, Fukushima, uh, uh, the Fukushima uh, prefecture. Uh, yes. Uh, give us that, an update on that. Uh, is that still radioactive? Yes, it is. It is. It, it is. They say it is, but you know what? I went down there and we prayed around that and the... The Geiger counter was reading uh, life-threatening measures the day we were there, and I walked around and rebuked that in the name of Jesus and said, I command that radiation to go back into that, that meltdown of that reactor and leave God's people alone and leave us alone as we minister to the people in this area where the radiation is. And do you know that thing went from 14 all the way down to zero, right in front of 21 people's eyes? Wow. Praise the Lord. Doesn't the Bible say you can walk through the fire and it won't kindle upon you? Isn't radiation called fire? Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. We just need to take our authority. I, I was there, and, uh, and when I went there, uh it uh the earthquake a 5.4 earthquake hit and i was at the director's house of the world mission area there in ishigaki city and uh 5.4 hit and began shaking that building terribly i thought it looked like the walls were going to come down and uh 
the wife, his wife was in the kitchen fixing, uh, fixing, uh, uh, tea. And, uh, this indignation came over me as that building was shaking and I was shaking with it. <laughs> and I said, in the name of Jesus, stop shaking. And it stopped immediately. And, uh, <laughs> the dear lady in the kitchen who was hanging onto the counter, the dishes were beginning to fall out of the cabinets. Uh, she said, what did you do? Were you rebuking that earthquake? And I said, well, of course, I've rebuked tornadoes. I've rebuked hurricanes. What's the difference? They're all destructive. That's right. She said, we can do that? And I said, well, of course we can. And she said, well, it quit. It quit. And uh, look at this, Isaiah 43. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, Jacob, why does he say Jacob instead of Israel? Jacob means a sinner, doesn't it? Deceiver and all. And he that formed you, O Israel, now he says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Radiation burns you. The brother that was with me said, if, this, if we stay in this too long, our blood will start boiling. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Hallelujah. You see, we just have to take our authority, that's all. <laughs> brother Groover, let me take you back to Hawaii for a moment. Uh, from what I remember yes. about the history, um, the, the islanders were throwing people into the volcanoes, um, yes, doing sacrifice that like volcano. that. Yes. So, did you walk around the volcano or go up to it and pray? I went up to the edge as close as they would allow us to go, and was lifting my hands, lifted my hands, rebuking it in the name of Jesus. No more human sacrifice, remitting the sins of those that had committed those horrible acts, and declaring no more, never again, because many of these ancient religions are trying to come up and raise up again. That's why they're wanting to build those temples and altars again. They say it's just simply part of their heritage, but you know and I know, if they're allowed to do that, which they are doing it more and more, but we're going in and praying them, and I trained a team for six days there, trained three different teams to go and to take dominion over this so that they don't start doing these human sacrifices again. But uh, there was one area we went into that they didn't want anybody to go into. The guards there said, you're not allowed in there. Well, uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, one of the ladies with us starts talking to the guard. And, and the guard finds out that this lady is the daughter of one of the most famous singers in Hawaii. I forget his name. I'm, wow. I I, this was all new to me. Don Ho? <laughs> Don Ho, that's right. You oh, got okay. it. Oh, yeah. Wow. She's the daughter of wow. Don Ho. And would you believe he got so excited, he said, hey, I'll give you a tour. Come with me. And wow. we went into that temple that they're rebuilding. And... He turned us loose, and he said, if you go on up through the woods at the base of these mountains here, he said, you'll find the temple up there. He says, i got to get back to the gate. i got to get back and secure my job. 
And he just turned it over to us and, and gave us carte blanche. And we prayed over the birthing stone. We prayed over the healing temple. We prayed over the sacrifice area, back through the bamboo and everything. And came back out, and he was just rejoicing and invited us back anytime. <laughs> That's how God opens doors. Now, here's one yes. of the things I did. Tell me, I love stories. It looked like we didn't have a chance. It looked like we didn't have a chance of getting in. Here's what I always do when I hear that. I point at it and quote Psalms chapter, um, oh dear, chapter 24, verses 7 through 9. Open up you gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The gatekeepers ask or demand. And we say, He is the King, the Lord of glory. So open up you gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors or be lifted up and the King of glory shall come in. And when I say you King of glory, I always point up. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads. Who is this King? The Lord of hosts. The Lord of armies. And we are members, verse 10, I add at the end of that, and we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. After I quoted that, this lady who was late, who was the daughter's, Don Ho's daughter, uh, arrived. I quote that. Here she comes, and we're standing around just quietly praying, and he's holding his position as a security guard and watching us that we don't go on in. And here she comes, and she goes right up and starts talking to the man, and he finds out she is Don Ho's daughter, and he is so excited, he wants to give us a tour. Wow. See how the gates open? <laughs> That's and I didn't even know we had Don Ho's daughter with us. <laughs> <laughs> she got there a little bit late with her, her another couple other sisters, but... Uh, God just opens the door, and it turned out that Don Ho and brought her there to this area in where all these gardens are and all where these, these areas were. Don Ho brought her daughter there, and she played around that area at five, six, seven years old. Didn't know about it then, wasn't a Christian then. And she was really excited joining with us in warfare. And she said, this is wonderful. And she couldn't wait to tell all her friends about this, what God is doing in that area of Hawaii. So, oh, you just never know what God is going to do when he wants you into it. That's why I say about even North Korea, if he wants me there, he'll put me there, brother. He'll put me there. You know, Brother Groover, if, if if you could get up to the uh, to the border there at the DMZ zone and walk that border, uh, that would be pretty powerful. Uh, here's a couple. I I want to do that. Uh, they were talking about doing it with me last month, but my time got away from me, and uh, these pastors, the meetings I had, these pastors wanted a meeting with the pastors. And so I gave in to that instead of getting over to the DMZ. And and I can see it was needful for the pastors. Their hearts were so touched in the meeting that uh, they want me to come back and minister to uh, pastors.
pastors of 75 churches and missionaries and and over 600 young people and uh, then minister to their conference on Israel Israeli awareness or uh and that's all scheduled but uh Lord you know if it's going to be because I'm certainly willing to be it and, and but if it all cancels and the Lord puts me in there for his another reason I'm willing on that one I'm believing uh, that that's going to open the door. We're asking people to agree in prayer tonight, and I believe that could avert war. I want to yes, ask you a Lord, couple other... Uh, we don't want a war. Nobody wins with war. That young man in North, he won't win with war. I, I fear that his life will be taken if he goes into war. I fear that life, his life will be taken. I really do. And uh, I don't want to see him die in in being cruel to South Korea. Uh, God is jealous over South Korea because there are there are thousands upon thousands of churches in South Korea. You can stand in the cities, any city in South Korea, and look a full 360 and count at least seven to ten churches, crosses, red crosses up high on their pedestals all over South Korea. Brother, we don't need Dennis Rodman. People. Dennis Rodman going to North Korea. We need Henry Gruber going to Korea. <laughs> uh, Brother Gruber, here's a couple other questions. Have you had an opportunity to prayer walk the Temple Mount in Israel? Absolutely. Absolutely, wow. I did. Yes. <laughs> okay, how about this one? Uh, have you ever been over to the island of demons, they call it, uh, the country of Java? You know, I haven't. I've heard about that, but I haven't. Uh, I The Lord hasn't told me to go, or believe me, I would go. I haven't been there or Tahiti or Haiti. Both of those really need a serious work. How about the centers of prostitution? I'm talking the red and light districts of Tijuana, Revolution Avenue, and San Jose, Costa Rica. Oh, bless their hearts. If if you're listening and you're into prostitution and selling your body, I, listen, I want you to know, number one, the Lord does not condemn you. I would say that it's probably out of desperation or because of your childhood and what happened in your childhood that you're, you're subjected to that. But I want to tell you something. Jesus will listen to you right now if you will talk to him. He loves you. His blood is fully able to wash you and cleanse you and make you as pure and clean as a virgin. I mean this with all my heart. I have ministered to prostitutes, male and female, in my life, and God has completely restored their bodies, their mind, and their spirit. So call on the name of the Lord. The Word of God says whosoever. That means whoever. It doesn't say if you're just a good person or whatever. No. You are loved by the Lord. Call on the Lord and He will hear you. And He will cleanse you. He will wash you. He will save you. He will restore you. He will restore your body, your mind, and your spirit. He will cleanse you of the terrible, terrible thoughts of the past and all that you've been subjected to. That's all you've got to do. Just call on the name of the Lord, and he will answer. And thank him then, and keep thanking him, and watch the change take place. 
Your life will change. God will begin to surround you with people that will love you to him and will rescue you. If you're into prostitution, there is, there's people that are sold into it very young and they, they, they are owned by others. Let me tell you something. Jesus can take care of them. He can move them aside. He can give you freedom to be rescued out of that. He can put you in with people that will love you and will be pure and kind and tender-hearted to you and will bring you to a beautiful life and relationship with a loving, forgiving, restoring, healing God. Even if you have AIDS. I know a ministry in Bangkok, Thailand. They take the temple prostitutes that are thrown out into the garbage dump. They literally take them and dump them in the garbage dump when they get AIDS. And this ministry there goes and rescues them. And they have kids graduating from high school and college now that have no AIDS. And their life, they're beautiful young men and young girls, beautiful people that are becoming teachers, ministers, missionaries in Thailand. Listen, he can do it for you. I know of ministries in India that rescue them that are are prostitutes. And they rescue them, and they're becoming beautiful examples of God's grace. So listen, there is an open door for you. There is a place, there is a refuge, a place of safety for you. Just call on the Lord, and he has those whom he can speak to that will come into your life and rescue you. Be ready then and start thanking him for rescuing you when you call on him. And believe me, you will be rescued and your life will be changed. Brother Henry, how can someone tonight receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? First of all, just recognize that you're a sinner. That's so important. If you cannot recognize you're a sinner, you're not ready to be saved. That means your pride has got a hold of you and you think that you're okay. You live a good life. You've never hurt anybody. You've never robbed from anybody. You've never beat anybody up. Listen, that that is not what it's talking about. You were born in sin. In iniquity and sin, you were conceived and brought forth. So you have sin in your life, whether you want to admit it or not. If you've ever told a lie, it makes you a liar. If you've ever stolen a pen from where you work, it makes you a thief. It doesn't mean you have to steal something big or tell a big lie. You need Jesus. And so ask him to forgive you and come into your heart right now. Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. I want you as my Savior. I know that I would not be content in heaven if I were allowed to come into the gates of heaven being a sinner. I could not stand it. It's too pure. It's too perfect. It's too holy. So I know the only way that I will be content, would be happy in heaven, is that you take my sins away. So I ask you right now, cleanse me, wash me with the blood that you shed for my sins. I believe in that, and I ask it now. 
take away every sin I've committed from as many days back, months, weeks, years. Take them all away and wash me clean. Come into my heart and be my Savior. And I assure you, he will do exactly that. And then thank him for your salvation. Get a Bible and start reading it. I recommend you read the book of John. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the last book of the four Gospels or the fourth book of the New Testament. Don't start in Revelation. Start in John, okay? <laughs> and read, read, read about the life of Jesus. And read, and when the enemy tries to come back and torment your mind while you're reading, say, Satan... I belong to Jesus. Now, you've interrupted me. I'm going back to verse 1, and I'm going to start reading all over again. And every time you interrupt me trying to condemn me or trying to tell me that what I am or am not or remind me of my past, I'm going to go back to verse 1, and I'm going to start reading again. And believe me, you do that faithfully, and Satan will leave you alone because he doesn't want you reading the Bible. But you do that, and God will bless you, and he will minister to you, and you will be saved. And then ask him to just come down and fill you with his presence and give you a brand new song. If you've been a prostitute or something, and you you have no song anymore, you feel like your life isn't worth anything, your body's all used up, your mind is so oppressed, listen. Start worshiping the Lord. Just start worshiping because he comes down and dwells in your presence. He inhabits. He comes down and hovers over you in, your, in his presence when you worship him. So give your heart to him. Thank him. Worship him. And let him fill you full of his love and his spirit. And listen, it doesn't hurt a thing to say, Jesus, just love me. I open my arms to you. Just come and love me, Lord, with your love, and you will experience it. And then let Shannon know. Let them know there. Let us know at JoyfulSoundMinistries.com. Let us know here in Woodbine, Iowa. Okay? We'd love to hear from you. We've got about 15 minutes remaining on the clock. I'm going to be quick on this, Brother Groover. A couple quick trivia questions for you. Um, I heard you preach some years ago. Was the sword of Goliath discovered by mm-hmm. Brother Ron Wyatt? <laughs> Absolutely. I've got him on video telling about it. Uh, in that chamber where the Ark of the Covenant is, it was wrapped in a, in a cloth uh, around back of the sarcophagus that held the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, there were earthen pots there on the one side, and one of them had a, a copper scroll in it written by Jeremiah. Wow. And, uh, yes, Goliath's sword is in there. It's in that chamber, believe me. Do you believe that the Ark of the Covenant um, is still there, or do you think the government has pulled it out after Ron Wyatt found it? I think it's still there, but that's only my thinking. I won't say, thus saith the Lord. Uh I I think it's still there, but, you know, in Jeremiah, it says it won't even come to mind, and uh, they won't visit it anymore. Uh, that's an interesting expression, but you got to realize some people use that against me and against Ron Wyatt. Well, what do you do with this in Jeremiah, where it says that they won't even talk about it, won't even come to mind, they won't visit it anymore? 
I say, read the whole chapter there. What does it say? Jesus has come down and the, the millennium is taking place. What do you need the Ark of the Covenant when you've got the Lamb of God whose blood went on the mercy seat? Amen. What do you need that for? <laughs> Amen. I, I believe the story of Ron Wyatt and uh, someone gave me a DVD recently. Powerful testimony. Uh, praise the Lord for his work. Uh, here's another question. Have you ever walked the Georgia Guidestones or Stonehenge? I've walked Stonehenge, yes. I've walked it up above Hanwell, England. Uh, walked it back in about 1993. Awesome. Uh, a question from a listener. They say they live in Dearborn, Michigan, uh, where a lot of uh, Islamic uh, people live, Islamic groups live. Uh, what oh. can you do going up against the spirit of Allah? What do you yeah, advise? That's the largest population in the United States of America, over a million population of Islamic people in Dearborn. Hey, listen, if you're listening in and there in Dearborn and you're a Muslim, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He is not just a great prophet, as your Quran tells you, but he is the son of God. And I challenge you, I challenge you, just simply say, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, come into my heart, come into my life, if you really can wash away sins. Come into my heart, come into my life. Take all this fear out of me. Take all of the torment out of me. Let me have precious dreams. And I want to tell you something. God will visit you. But if you live there and you're not a Muslim, listen, these Muslims... They need, I, I led 12 of them to the Lord, flying back to New York from Istanbul, Turkey. Wow. Uh, they were all around me. I was in the <laughs> middle of them there on Turkish Airlines. Uh, I was right in the middle of Muslims, all going, going to university in New York. And uh, I, I began sharing with them <laughs> about Jesus. And all next thing I knew, they were on their knees up in front of me, two rows in front of me on their knees. They put me right in the middle of five seats. I hate being in the middle of five seats, right in the middle of a big DC-10. Oh, yeah. But uh, the Lord put me there. And here they are on their knees, turned around in their seats, on their knees, 12 of them, and, and behind me. And I'm all that ways from Istanbul, Turkey, to New York, I have an opportunity to answer their questions. And in the beginning, I assure you, there were certain fears came over me that, there were those that said, if I, if I had an instrument of, that I could kill you, I would kill you. I'd cut your heart out. <laughs> wow. There were those that told me that, and I'd say, you know what? If my heart is in your hand, it would still love you. And they didn't <laughs> know what to do with those words. That made more turn around and start listening and say, well, then, all right, if you don't believe he was just a great prophet, then who was he? And I start preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified to them. Just telling them the simplicity of God's love. Telling them about Muslims I had led to the Lord. Telling them about these incidents. Uh, the cave and incidents like that. And, uh, <laughs> you, you know, but I think if you live in the middle of them and you have them around you, whoever you see, Smile at them, you give them a smile, love on them, 
as best you can and pray that the Lord will give them a dream, that he will reveal himself to them in a dream. The reason is, is the Quran puts dreams as infallible words. Dreams about anything about God is as infallible as the Quran, they would say, itself. And so ask Jesus to reveal himself to them in dreams. And I'll tell you what, you will see a change around you. Brother Gruber, what did you say to the 12 Muslims that you believe uh, pushed them over to where they surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ? I gave them my testimony of how I died in the automobile accident and how my 15-year-old daughter pointed at my dead body and rebuked death off of me, and Jesus sent me back from the Milky Way. I told them how I was with an astronomer up in Flagstaff, Arizona, sharing my testimony in a church there. He was the world's leading specialist on the Milky Way, and how he came up to me afterwards and asked me where I got my doctorate in astronomy. And I said, I don't have a doctorate. And he said, what telescope are you looking through? And I told testimonies like this. I had hours to share with him. I told him testimonies like that of how Jesus brought me back and uh, shared how he healed me uh, when I had asthma at nine years old and had passed out, had gone unconscious, and uh, how he healed me when I had a heart attack when I was 22 years old and was so weak I couldn't lift my head, and how he instantly healed me when uh, a young man, another university student, I was in university at that time in Texas, and how God gave him five verses to come and to read to me, and God told him that when you read these five verses, Henry will be healed. When he finished the fifth verse, God put a brand new heart in me. I jumped off of that bed, took off running out into the field back of the place where I was staying, and ran around and around, and I never had any problem with heart sense. Gave them testimonies of God's goodness, testimonies of his power and his healing virtue, so that they then know that he's not just a great prophet, but that he heals. And then when you build that hunger in them, then you can tell how he is my Savior. Well, then why would he do this for you and not me? If, if I believe he's a great prophet, why doesn't he come to me? Why doesn't he reveal himself to me? And then I can say to them, have you asked him to? Oh, well, no, not really. Well, why don't we ask him to? See, just kind of lead them into it. And then they ask him to reveal his love to them, and the tears start flowing down their faces. And all 12 of those Muslim young people found Jesus, and we got their addresses and sent them Bibles. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Brother uh, Gruber, have you been to India yet? No, but I've ministered to thousands of India people on the merchant ships because I, when I lived in Portland, we went on every week on a good 16 different foreign vessels, and there were Bombay Registry coming in all the time. And uh, so we ministered to many Hindus, many Sikhs, and led them to the Lord in those years. Many, 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 many. (laughs) Where are you praying that the Lord would send you? In addition to North Korea, uh, would you like maybe to go to Cuba? Uh, You know, I've thought about it. I've got people that go to Cuba and want me to go to Cuba with them. Uh, 
I've definitely thought about it, but it hasn't. Uh, I haven't. Guess I haven't had the time yet. I, I'm I'm spending a, at least seventeen to twenty weeks uh, in Japan and Korea a year, and you trying to you cover America. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord. When you go to Japan, where do you stay? I stay at a different place practically every night. Wow. Uh, I'm there five to seven weeks when I go. And uh, did I say 17 days? I meant 17 weeks a year uh, minimum. I'm in in Japan. Uh, and uh, I have people down in the southern islands that uh, schedule for me and up north that schedule for me. Uh, and I give them a time frame. I always go normally in January and February into the lower islands of Okinawa Prefecture, and then up north from Kyushu all the way to Hokkaido in October, November. And uh, I give them that time frame, and they put it out on their website, and the pastors watch that website of those two people, and uh, they schedule me. And they, if they don't, if they don't schedule me quick in one week, five to seven weeks are scheduled for every day. Amazing. Uh, where are you headed That's next? That's how open the doors are in Japan to me. You're getting ready to go back overseas. Uh, what's on the agenda this time? Well, what's on the agenda? I pray is uh, I I want to go into North Korea or at least the DMZ. Walk yes. and pray that. I want to get as close to North Korea as I can. Uh, you know, I've got I've got on my my passport. I've got a visa on my passport stamped by the Chinese government uh, that I came into China uh, as a diplomat. You know. <laughs> wow. And I spent five days with the leaders of China uh, back in 2010. Led one of them to the Lord. And so I'm hoping that maybe uh, I could show that and they could contact the leaders in China if they want to or whatever. They would remember me. I made two speeches in the capital there of China in Beijing, and I got a standing ovation. I've got pictures with six of the leaders of China, their wife and their children, their daughter or their son. Uh, I've got pictures of, with 54 ambassadors of the United States, of, of the world, in those five meetings of that Congress, and uh, I represented the United States. So I'm hoping that that could maybe give me some kind of acceptance with this young man. Uh, that's my desire. And so I'm going back to South Korea, hoping to get into the North. <laughs> uh, I have copies. scheduled meetings there in South Korea, but if I can get into the North, I will definitely cancel any of those meetings it takes to get into the north <laughs> well when you when you come back we're looking forward to having you back on the show when do you plan to be back uh the lord willing uh i'll be back into the northwest uh back into the northwest the lord willing on the 23rd of may from okay. korea i've got so final... if you give me a call on my cell phone you've got my cell phone number give me a call i'll be in the northwest but i can probably be on a on a phone somewhere in the Northwest, and we'll give you all a report. Two final questions tonight. Uh, what did you say to the bed bugs to keep them from biting you that time? <laughs> <laughs> Up in eastern Turkey. 
<laughs> you actually. Oh, uh, Lord. <laughs> tell where the bed bugs I said to the brother with me who was in Associated Press, it was his first foreign assignment. The poor guy was scared to death trying to get a story, you know. <laughs> He, when I pulled my covers back, I had I had stayed awake three nights in a row, praying all night long, walking all day, the border along Turkey and Iraq, after Desert Storm, the year after Desert Storm, and he latched onto me. I met him, and he latched onto me, and wanted to stay with me. He found out what I was doing, and he says, "You're a story in yourself." And I says, well, "I'm not." I don't care to be on Associated Press. He says, well, he says, he's a wonderful man for ledgering, you know. He he kept wonderful reports. I'm still in contact with him. But uh, uh, when I pulled the covers back on that cheap hotel, uh, it was the only hotel in that little town in eastern Turkey, bed bugs the size of my little fingernail just took off running back under the covers. And he, this big, big Associated Press man, did a dance. I called him Thunder. He couldn't whisper. He always talked so loud. But uh, he did a dance. Say, man, those are bed bugs. You realize those are bed bugs? And I says, yeah. And he says, you're not going to crawl in with them, are you? And I says, I, I was down to just my undershorts. You know, I was ready for bed, and I was tired. I was exhausted. I had prayed three nights in a row. And I turned to him and I said, the Lord told me I can sleep tonight. If you don't want to, you can take the night watch. You pray all night. He was a good Catholic man. And uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I crawled into the covers and he said to me, as I'm looking at him laying under the covers, he says, there isn't going to be enough left of you to crawl off from under those covers in the morning. They're going to eat you alive. I says, brother, I want to tell you something. If God can shut the mouths of lions for Daniel, he can certainly shut the mouth of a dead bu- of a bed bug. I'm going to have a good sleep. And I went out like a light, slept, slept with the sun shining on the curtain in the morning because we weren't allowed to go out of the hotel till after the sun come up uh, because of the danger of uh, being shot, you know, in that area. The military asked us not to come out till daylight. And... Uh, <laughs> I open my eyes and look, and he's pacing the floor. And I said, well, good morning, Thunder. How are you doing? And he says, I'm doing fine. And he says, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. And he says, yeah. He says, wait till you see how many bites you've got all over you. And I come crawling out of there. He looked me over with a fine-tooth comb, so to speak. He couldn't find one red bed bug bite on me at all. And he said, how did you do that? What did you spray in there? What did you do? I says, pull the covers back. The bed bugs were still in there. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He didn't sleep a wink. He wouldn't even sit in a chair. He walked the floor all night. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Uh, My goodness. Uh, Brother Groover, are you planning to write any more books? Are you working on any new release at this time? Well... I I have a 350-page book called The Journal of a Walker that's even mentioned in our our book called uh, The Prayer Walker's Handbook. Oh, how do we get a Now, I do have three books out, kind of, you know. uh, I have uh, The Visions of a Walker and The Rebirth of Judah versus The Church Glorious. 
But uh, the Journal of a Walker, I've never published. It is, it is written. It is in uh, print form. It's not in uh, proper type for you know for printing yet. But it's it's my writing is done on in it, and what it covers is my first ten years of prayer walking. <laughs> That's three hundred and fifty pages. Um, what's but the I have up, never Brother? printed it. <laughs> uh, what's your plans for releasing it? We've got to order a copy. <laughs> I don't know. I've held off on it because to me it's enough carrying three books when I go out driving, you know, and carrying in my van let alone a 350-page book. Oh, the thought of that. What we have thought of doing is maybe just uh, putting it on the computer and people could read it on computer. Maybe make it into a PDF that they could order through your website, something to think about? Something like that, yeah, that could be done. If Uh, someone would like to... If they would like to order copies of the books or your audios and tapes or support your ministry, how can they do that, please? Give out your contact information. Uh, Just simply write to Joyful Sound Ministries or go on their website, uh, on our website, joyfulsoundministries.com, and uh, then uh, push on, uh, I'm not a computer savvy guy, but push on uh, publications, Click in publications, and it will come up all my presentations, books, and everything, my wife's book and all. And then you could you can order them by PayPal on there, and you'll get a receipt for that. And that order will come here to the office, and they'll send them out to you. Uh, or else send a letter to us here at Post Office Box 144, Woodbine, W-O-D, B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, 51579. Joyful Sound Ministries, Woodbine, Iowa, Post Office Box 144, and zip code, area code is 51579. And uh, if you send a check for materials or something, Remember, if you send, if you put on PayPal, you can put on so much for publication because all of our materials are a free will offering basis. We don't have a price on them. If you want an offering put on above that, put how much for publication and how much is the offering as a gift. And we'll send you a receipt for that amount. And, uh, it is tax deductible in America. We still hold to that while we can. But uh, I think, that, and you uh, can also read the publications catalog on that. Otherwise, write to us, and we'll send you out a catalog of our materials. We probably have a couple hundred people right now, minimum, who would like to order a copy of Journal of a Prayer Walker. If you would make it available on a PDF, I wanted to encourage you to do that. And uh, I'm going to have to do that. I I I've got people wanting me to. Uh, even as you said to me, you know, to record the messages and the testimonies, oh, yes. and then we could put those out on a PDF or something. Uh, yeah, I need to do it. <laughs> okay, my final question tonight. Uh, I need to get the story from you. I've heard bits and pieces. You went to the Serpent Mounds. Are there giants buried there? What do you think it was that you came up against that time? 
Oh, boy. That was a wicked one. I almost lost my life on that one. Uh, what do you think's in the ground under those mounds? I believe they're probably... Well, if you go to the Keokuk Mounds Museum in East St. Louis, that's in the Illinois side of St. Louis. Yes. Keokuk Mounds Museum. Now, oh, well, it's not posted there anymore, and I don't know why they took it out, but I guess it was getting too much publicity or something. But uh, on those, they had a display of letters of French-Canadian trappers back in the 1600s that talked about the Mound Indians and how that they, they in the summer were very fond of the heavy rapping chatter, rap, the heavy jungle beat, their bodies had tattoos all over them. They pierced their bodies in their privates as well as their ears, their tongues, their their noses, their cheeks, their eyebrows. Sounds very familiar to oh, today, yes. doesn't it? What's happening with our young people and a lot of people. And it said that they wear no, little or no clothes at all in the summer. And if you don't shoot them on sight, they will eat you. In other words, they were cannibals. So... That, the Lord told me, the reason I walked the path of the Mound Indians was because the Lord told me there was a direct connection of the curse on the youth of America that they put on. And so you look at our youth today, how they're dressing and all, they're certainly under the curse. And so I took seven years walking from Owego, New York, to Bismarck, North Dakota, the path of the Mound Indians in America, to break that curse off of them. And I believe that curse was broken at the end of those seven years. There were many pastors up there in Bismarck, North Dakota, that were with us in the team when we prayed up on Lookout, Fort Lookout, above uh, Fort Abe Lincoln. Fort Abe Lincoln is where General Custer rode out for Custer's last stand. Fort Abe Lincoln is right above it. You could see 30-mile circumference there around from there. And when we prayed that final prayer, finishing the seven years of praying, the, the path of the Mound Indians. Five eagles, American eagles, came down the Hart River and circled us up above Fort Lookout. There were 21 of us in a circle. We were praying. We held hands and did an about-face, praying in all directions, north, south, east, and west. The eldest man, 71-year-old man of our team, said, here come nine more American eagles down the Missouri River. We all watched as nine came and joined the five. Fourteen American golden eagles circled us so close you could look up and see their eyes and their talons. And they circled us as long as we stayed in a circle, praying and praising the Lord. Then they dispersed into all directions, north, south, east, and west, and points in between. And a Native American minister who was there said, that is a sign from heaven. And I said, yes, it is. Fourteen in the Bible are three sets of fourteens in Matthew, all making up 42 generations, bringing forth Jesus Christ. Fourteen is the number in animal husbandry that you breed an animal, 14 different generations, and you bring forth a pure bloodline. It takes 14 generations to bring forth a pure bloodline. I believe that was a sign from heaven that God was showing us 
I'm going to bring forth a pure generation of young people across America. Amazing testimony tonight. Uh, Folks, it's been an honor to have Henry Groover on, the prayer walker tonight. Brother Groover, I believe this is the most important broadcast we've done to date. We're about to hit 1,000 shows. I want to encourage people to go to JoyfulSoundMinistries.com, support Brother Henry Groover's ministry, uh, lift him up in prayer. And Brother Groover, uh, I want to thank you for going into overtime tonight. My goodness, uh, been an awesome <laughs> <my> testimony. <laughs> Would you close this program out in prayer? And I'm already looking forward to the next broadcast you're going to be on. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, brother, and thank you, people, for listening in. God bless you. Well, precious Father in heaven, we just ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you seal in the heart and the mind and the spirit each person that has listened in or will listen in to this this number 968th program. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will seal it in their hearts, that no care of this life, no distraction, nothing of the enemy can take and rob these truths from them. But Lord, that it will be sealed in their heart, their mind, and their spirit until it brings forth an abundance of fruit through their life after its kind. That, Lord, when we all gather around your glorious throne, that we will have so much to offer you as fruit from our obedience and a whole lot, Lord, from what we have learned in this program. Oh, Lamb of God, for truly you are worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, now bless Omega Radio and Brother Shannon Davis, Lord, and their work and their kindness to allow me to have this voice. Bless them, I pray, and bless each one that has emailed in and checked in, Lord, and has asked the questions or whatever. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We receive it, and Brother Groover, we're going to be sending you a master copy of tonight's show for your ministry website, and uh, I wanted to extend an invitation to your son. You have a son that uh, you mentioned was a, he's a missionary uh, with a gift of prophecy. Yeah, works with Mozambique. <laughs> uh, when you talk Africa to him. and Swaziland. And... Let him know yes. that we would love to have him on this show, even if we call him long distance. That's no problem. Uh, We would love to have him come on and share his testimony and preach if he would like to do that. All right. I will, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give him uh, your phone number. Please. Yes. And uh, would you like his? Now, he's in the States right now. And he's getting ready uh, to go back in June. I would love to uh, uh, reach out and call him and and offer him uh, a time to come on and preach, whatever the Lord put on his heart. What would be the you best know, way he to could him? he could certainly fill people's ears full of what God has been doing uh over there in uh in Mozambique and Swaziland and Nigeria uh oh my I'll give you his number I'm bringing it up on my cell phone 
Praise the Lord. Uh, again, folks, if you're just tuning in, you need to go back and listen to this. It'll be in the archives tonight. Uh, share this broadcast with all your friends and family, and I would encourage everybody to support uh, Henry Groover Ministries. JoyfulSoundMinistries.com is the website. What is uh, Amen. your son's name, Brother Groover? Okay, it's Peter, Peter James Groover. Okay. Lovely name, Peter yeah. James. Uh, let's see here. I'm bringing him up. Come here. There he is right there. Okay, it's 330. Yes, sir. 316. Okay. 0840. Praise the Lord. We're going to reach out to him and invite him on this program. And uh, Brother Groover, you're a warrior. We, we're praying you for you, brother, and your family, and we want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule tonight to come on and preach and, and tr- do some training with us tonight. We, we appreciate it so Hallelujah. much. Hallelujah. Been my pleasure, brother. God Been bless my you. pleasure. Okay. We'll talk to you when you get back from this next mission. The Lord okay. bless you. Thank you so much. Thank God you, sir. God bless you, brother. Love you. Good night. Love you, too, now. Good night. Folks, that was Henry Groover. The prayer walker. I'm speechless. If I never do another program again, uh, I'm praising the Lord tonight for this opportunity to have had Brother Groover on. You know, folks, uh, I want to praise the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Perfect audio. You'll probably learn tonight what you'll never hear anywhere else. Uh, This, folks, is a treasure from the Lord information that I know the host of hell tonight is not happy about. If you paid attention and took notes, or if you have to go back and listen to it ten times, folks, details of how to prayer walk were given out tonight. And you know what? As Brother Groover said, start right in your city where you live. Start prayer walking. I want to prayer walk now the place where I saw the fortune teller set up doing shop. I saw a shingle with that hand sign, you know, come in for your fortune. Sad part is, I've seen it there for many years, and it's only a block or two from a main church. Why is it still there? My people destroyed for lack of knowledge. Folks, the church is not preaching what you heard tonight. This should have been taken care of a long time ago. But you know what? Better late than never. And maybe there's places in your city where they have not been prayer walked, where the enemy still has a stronghold, where the enemy has claimed squatters' rights. You can start right where you're at. Get a group of believers, fast and pray, follow the steps that Brother Groover outlined tonight, and go in and take it back for Jesus. And shut that place down, doing spiritual warfare. Can you imagine if people will take what they've learned tonight and from other programs that we've done on spiritual warfare and deliverance and start applying it and then start telling others about it, giving them a CD of tonight's program or an MP3. You want to attack the host of hell? You're looking for a way to serve the Lord tonight? You say, what can I do? You can send out a copy of tonight's program. You can tell people about This broadcast, we've been called to preach the truth, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only name written under heaven by which man might be saved. 
to cast out devils, teach spiritual warfare, healing ministry like the Elijah Challenge. And if enough people will get on fire for Jesus saying, Lord, I'll do what you've asked me to do and share the word with others, folks, it's going it's to yield fruit, hundredfold fruit. It only takes one person. You spark a fire under and they go out and ignite wildfires and we burn down the host of hell. Do you know what I'm saying tonight? One man, one woman can make a difference, binding and loosing in Jesus' name. If you'd like to uh, contact Henry Groover, you'd like to tell him how much you appreciate tonight, please do so. Go to JoyfulSoundMinistries.com in the next 24 hours. Write him and let him know you heard about him here on Omega Man Radio and you appreciated him taking almost three hours tonight to share with his testimony and how to prayer walk. Support his ministry. You can order his books. His CDs, they're made available just for a love offering. I would encourage you to uh, support his work. He lives by faith. And as Joseph Jasinski has said, when you send men and women of God abroad to do this work, you get the same reward as they did because you helped. It's the widow's might. It's not the amount. It's the fact that you said, I believe enough in what they're doing. I want to be a part of it. Pray about it. Keep him lifted up on your prayer list, him and his family. Pray that the Lord will open up a door for him to get into North Korea. I believe it could avert war. Amen. And uh, remember him every night when you pray, that the Lord will protect him and cover him in the blood of Jesus when you pray. Myself and all those that come on this program, please. If you want to reach me, you can do so, OmegaManRadio.com, or up on Facebook, OmegaManRadio. We're doing a nightly broadcast now, Monday through Saturday. Normally, we, we have a late show. I'm not going to do a late show tonight, but uh, we went into overtime. But um, normally, we're on Monday through Saturday, 8 to 11, and then 11 to 2 a.m. Eastern Time. All these programs are available for free. You can download them from the archives, share them with your friends, burn copies, whatever you want to do to get this word out. I also want to mention... WRWpublications.com, home of Win Worley, uh, books and videos, some of the, the greatest books you'll ever find on the Deliverance Ministry, our passion here on Omega Man Radio. If you want to learn how to do deliverance, how to get involved, uh, get the books by Win Worley. Powerful stuff. Also, I recommend PilgrimsMinistry.com, the uh, website of Apostle. Uh, Ivory Hopkins, also John and Linda Kyle, theoasisplace.org. Uh, I also recommend JesusDelivers.com, where you're going to find uh, Deliverance 101, School of Deliverance, a course that you can order and you can start studying in your own home. You can invite friends and family over and everybody learn the foundations of deliverance. It was written by uh, Joseph Jasinski. And... Uh, if you would like to uh, go to an awesome time on the Lord, a deliverance conference coming up, go to the website of hbcdelivers.org, where deliverance started here in America, Hegwish Baptist Church. I'm a long-distance member. They're going to have a deliverance conference this month. Let me get the date for you. I've been there twice, and it is an awesome time on the Lord. 
They preach on spiritual warfare. They have uh, deliverance, mass deliverance, make some friends, great afterglow. It's going to be April 25th through the 28th. Highland, Indiana. Go to hbcdelivers.org for more information. Praise the Lord. I want to say shouts out to Brother Steve Quell, stevequell.com. Uh, and on and on. I just uh, I want to thank all those that uh, have helped make this program possible. Uh, we're here tonight because of you. Um, God bless you, bless each and every one of you tonight. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity, this awesome opportunity tonight to have Brother Henry Groover back on to preach and share testimony and train us tonight on prayer walking, how to take back the land, how to cleanse the land, how to remit sins, and how to witness to the Muslims, Lord. Let our light shine. We thank you for this. I just ask, Lord, that you would bless each and every person who is tuned in tonight. We cover everybody tuning in with the blood of Jesus Christ. We just bind up and rebuke any spirits of backlash or retaliation that would come against anybody tuning in tonight. Father God, we just lift up everybody tuning in and their families, all the speakers and guests on Omega Man Radio, all of our friends and family. We thank you for our newfound friend, Brother Mel Novak, and Pastor I.D. Moody Guabadia, Jeff and Stella Crew, uh, John Ramirez. We thank you for all our friends out there, Father God, uh, named or unnamed. There's so many of them that we could mention tonight. Thank Pastor Michael Thier, Hegwich Baptist Church. We just give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, Lord Jesus. I thank you for each and every person that uh, you have given to this program, that keeps it lifted up in prayer, that has supported this ministry. I just ask, God, that you would lose favor for everybody tuning in tonight. Bless them. Loose warrior angels to surround them for the protection. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for everything, Father God, tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, uh, tell Henry Groover you appreciated him, and we'll get him back on end of May, Lord willing, when he comes back off this trip. And uh, I love and appreciate you all. I'll be back Monday night. We've got a great week shaping up next week. May the Lord richly bless you and keep you. We'll see you again on the next edition of Omega Man Radio.